0: We are hearing this morning from the book of Numbers, and we're picking up in um, part of the journey of the Hebrew people out of Egypt. And you might have heard this story before, or this may be new to you this morning. When Moses was asked by God to lead the people from slavery in Egypt out to this promised land where they would be free, Moses had some questions. And he resisted this call a little bit um, for many reasons, and one of them was that he wondered if he could speak well enough to lead the people. We think that maybe he had a stutter or some kind of speech um, impediment that caused him to wonder uh, how well people would respond to his leadership. And in response, God said to him, I'm going to send Aaron with you. And so Aaron and Moses and later Miriam join together to lead the people from Egypt out to the promised land. And they stop at points along their journey. They spend quite a bit of time at Mount Sinai, which is where they get the Ten Commandments. And then they know that's not the end. And so they're called forward to continue on in their way. And as they're preparing to leave, God speaks to Moses And God tells Moses to teach a blessing to Aaron so that Aaron might bless the people. And we call this today still the Aaronic blessing. It's significant not just because it's beautiful, and you'll recognize it when you hear it if you don't already know the one I'm talking about, but because God gives God's name to the people. And when we have it written in Hebrew, it looks like something like uh, Yahweh. In Jewish tradition, that's not spoken aloud. And so in our English Bibles, we translate that usually as the Lord. And I'm reading it today as the Holy One. Hear the blessing that was given to Aaron to give to the people. The Holy One spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying thus you shall bless the israelites you shall say to them the holy one bless you and keep you the holy one make their face to shine upon you and be gracious to you the holy one lift up their countenance upon you and give you peace and so they will put my name on the israelites and i will bless them A word of blessing for each of us today. In Breeding Sweetgrass, which I know many of you have read, Robin Wall Kimmerman describes dropping her youngest daughter off at college. And there's this whole scene where there's the packing up of the bedroom at home and the last breakfast together, and then their teary goodbyes in the college parking lot. And as Robin Kimmerman prepares to leave, her daughter yells out, if you break out in uncontrollable sobs on the way home, please pull over. (laughs) So there is laughter throughout the whole parking lot, and they end in sort of that tearful, cheerful goodbye. Kimberman says she doesn't break down in uncontrollable sobs on the way home. Instead, she heads to a lake, where she spends the day in her kayak, and she calls it her grief containment system. I could manage leaving my daughter at college, she says, but I did not want to go home to an empty house. We face so many transitions like this. There is that weird open feeling of our first apartment. The bittersweet pride when a child starts kindergarten, the excitement of going to a new school, the end of a marriage, the death of a loved one. When one of our beloved pets died several years ago, I remember my husband saying to me, I did not know that such a small animal could take up so much space. The story of the Hebrew people leaving Mount Sinai for this unknown promised land is full of those same emotions. There are the goodbyes of all kinds along the way, not just then, but on the journey as some people choose to go forward in another direction and some people choose to come back and some people live and die their entire lives on the path. And so maybe that's why this blessing comes at this particular moment. It is though God is offering up a grief containment system, a spiritual kayak that will let people navigate through the big and the small uncertainties of this journey. When we make this space for grief or fear or trepidation, We also make space for joy. A few years ago, I was deep into some research on spirituality and resilience. And resilience is one of those words that gets a lot of use, and because of that, it kind of becomes fuzzy. (laughs) When it's used too loosely, it can mean something like being unbothered by the world or always being optimistic. And the general definition is that resilience is the capacity to bounce back. But I actually don't think that's the best definition either. Because when we focus our expectations on bouncing back to who we were before, we lose sight of what we might integrate and learn from what we have been through. I've begun to think about resilience along the lines of hope, Instead, that maybe resilience could be connected to our ability to continue to make meaning and to live with purpose, even amidst grief and challenges. I've appreciated one of the insights that's along these lines from Gordon Livingston, who said, the primary goal of parenting, beyond keeping our children safe, And loved is to convey to them a sense that it is possible to be happy in an uncertain world to give them hope it is possible to be happy in an uncertain world and more than that I think it is possible to live with meaning in fact I think those two are often connected that is, in a way, what this blessing does for the Hebrew people. The idea that the, was that the priests would bless the people each day. And so each day, they would be reminded that God looked on them with so much love that God's face shone with it, and that despite the dangers, there was a promise of a better future. I remember a conversation about this story many years ago in which the person that I was talking to expressed their confusion at the whole idea of blessing. After hearing how God had taught Moses to teach Aaron to bless the people, this person said, if blessings work and God wanted the people blessed, then why not do it themselves? Why put a middleman in there? It's an honest wondering, isn't it? And we come up with similar questions around prayer and how it looks and how it works. And we sometimes have this very linear sense of how we want it to work, which might be like this, that the blessing is out there somewhere, maybe as this power that God has and holds on to, And so when we ask God to bless someone, we are asking for that power here. It's like asking for rain to come from the sky. It's there, and then it's here. There's something magical about that idea of blessing. It's like we can convey something on someone by saying the right words or doing the right motions. But because blessing is based on relationship, it means it's not a hierarchy. It's a way of focusing love and joy and hope on a particular person or a particular situation. And we do this in cooperation with God who exists in love and joy and hope. And so this is not a perfect analogy, either. But maybe instead of rain coming down from the sky, a blessing is more like when we splash someone in the pool. The possibility of blessing is everywhere, and everyone can do it, because it is not a transaction. It is a reminder that the presence of God already exists, and at the same time, it is an invitation or an invocation, we might say, for God's healing presence to be known more fully. I've always appreciated how John O'Donohue talks about blessing, which is that a blessing is a circle of light drawn around a person to protect, to heal, and to strengthen. That's where blessing becomes an act of hope. It becomes this container for letting go. And when we let go, we make space for love to flow more freely. In a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, Therapist Lori Gottlieb talks about this interaction with a client whose grief is getting in the way of their other relationships. And they've been out this for a month, I think. After all these conversations, Gottlieb looks at the client and says to them, maybe instead of worrying about your family, you could love them. we might apply that same wisdom to any number of things in our lives. Worry and care are not the same. In fact, worrying, I think, can get in the way of showing genuine love or taking careful, heartfelt action. We become wrapped up in our anxieties, rather than looking at the possibilities. Blessing is an antidote to this because it gives us a way to embody our deepest hope. In the midst of whatever real or metaphorical journey that we are on, we stop just long enough to remember that God's face does shine on us and that we are kept in God's care in a way that is bigger than we understand, even now. I am a firm believer that blessings work, and it's not so much from thinking it through, it's from hearing the stories from people about the ways that they have been changed by giving and receiving blessings. And these are changes that people describe happening on all levels, from spiritual to emotional to physical. And so as we leave this sermon series on blessing, hopefully to take with us some ideas for how we practice blessing in our lives, I'd like us to experiment with this blessing, the Aaronic blessing as a way of praying through our concerns. And so let's settle in whatever way is comfortable to you, wherever you are at. And take a moment to call to mind somebody or something that is on your heart this week. God, as we pray, we ask that you bless these things and that you keep them safe.